to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and I am joined by my brother and my friend, Sam Rayner. How are you, brother? I do I do feel like a brother to you at this point. You are my brother. I mean, I don't know. Who's the, that... I guess, am I the older brother or are you? I don't know. You're, I think you're older. Well, I'm older by age, but in terms of like. Oh, like, well, the (laughs) fact that I go to bed at eight and watch Dateline every night, I'm probably the older. Oh, you're definitely the older brother. (laughs) If I can break away from work and on the few times I do go home and sit down for lunch, I watch Judge Judy and eat a ham sandwich. That's just my life. That's how I am. You know, as cool as you look. (laughs) <laughs> on the inside, it's all old man. I was born 80. That's the, My mom has always said that. I was born 80. Hey, uh, we've, got so a, we've got a guest. We do have a guest. And we have an I, awesome guest today. I'm so yeah, excited. I am too. My friend Clint Presley. Mm. He's the pastor of Hickory Grove in Charlotte, North Carolina. Clint, how are you this morning? Man, I'm doing good, guys. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, I'm glad you are here. Mm. Clint's a great guy. And um, I've gotten to know him through the pandemic and uh, appreciate a lot of his wisdom. And so I thought we'd have him on the show. We're going to talk about essentially, you know, a number of issues, but it's being it's a pastor's faithfulness over a long term and especially in context of unhealthy churches. So that's going to be what we're talking about. But speaking of you know, struggles and those sort of things, we have a great resource for our listeners to imply in their church or apply in their church. Sam, tell them about that. Well, we've had Church Initiative as a sponsor for quite some time now and love talking about their resources, talking about them as a company because they are as solid as they come. I want to tell you about Grief Share and Divorce Care, uh, two wonderful programs. They're simple, they're easy, uh, but they are so valuable. All that you need is just one volunteer. Connect that lay leader to the Church Initiative team, then they take it from there. Um, so you got to go check out Divorce Care and Grief Share. They have these ministry coaches. And the neat thing about their ministry coaching that's attached to Grief Share and Divorce Care is that it's free. And that makes things a little different at Church Initiative because a lot of times you buy a program and you're kind of left on your own. They don't do that to you. Um, they provide that ministry support. So go get their quick start guide. You can find that at divorcecare.org slash start slash EST or griefshare.org slash start slash EST. Again, Divorce Care and Grief Share, wonderful resources by Church Initiative. Divorcecare.org slash start slash EST, griefshare.org slash start slash EST. That's right. Fantastic resource. And um, we do hope that other people will kind of join in and jump on that. We do know that they are already just through listening to EST. They have taken advantage of that resource. And so if you've been waiting, wait no longer. Join your other EST listeners and check out this fantastic resource. So uh, as far as the topic today is longevity and oftentimes a broken church, I would just start off the topic. And I'm curious, Clint, if you've observed the same thing, is that this pandemic has sort of dropped the curtain 
uh, it's exposed churches' unhealthiness before. Maybe if they were bad stewards of finances, maybe if they had a bad structure for making decisions on the fly, maybe if they weren't really in tune to their community and missions. It's exposed a lot of that in this season. I think on the same hand, it's exposed healthy churches. Have you seen the pandemic expose churches for what they are? Yeah, I don't know that I would use the word exposed, Josh. I think it's good to uh, maybe talk about focus mm-hmm. and uh, you get to see what a church does. Are they doing it well? Are they mm-hmm. good at making disciples? Are they good at strengthening their strengthening their people? Or is the church good at providing worship that nourishes the soul? Uh, the good thing about the pandemic, and there are not very many good things about it, but the good thing uh, for us has been, uh, I think, Dropping the curtain is a good way to say it, but I, it has shown us what we've got to focus on. Mm. What What is it we can do? What are the bare essentials of actually being the church? That's been helpful for us. I think that's true. Yeah, definitely. I love the idea of what, because what it did was it made it to where we couldn't do a lot of the extras. Couldn't, couldn't do the programs. Right. So you have to focus in on what are, are we any good at the basic things. Right. So, Sam, have you have you witnessed or seen any churches that, uh, you know, the curtain was dropped and found out they're maybe not good at that? Maybe they were more good. Maybe they were better. More gooder. More they gooder, were gooder. Josh. They were gooder <laughs> at the programming, and that was that was compensating for the lack of good in the basics. Well, I think a lot of churches are um, struggling with. You know who who is who who is who is among us right mm. now. Mm. Um, so when this whole pandemic started, there was an initial wave of support, uh, mainly through giving um, and through online attendance. So two months into the pandemic, what we heard a lot of is, "Hey, our giving we were expecting giving to go go down. It's not down." We heard a lot of. Um, wow, our online attendance, however you measure that, and Josh, you and I have talked about that, but mm-hmm. is way up. We've got this influence that we never thought we had. And at this point now, w- what we're hearing is, whoa, giving really tailed off, especially in July. And our online attendance is nothing like it was the first 30 to 60 days that we were in this thing. Mm. So I think the question that is lingering now is, who are we? As a church. And it gets back to what Clint just said. I mean, getting back to the basics, the essentials of being the church, even the basics, the essentials of who is among us. uh, You know, there's going to be 20 percent of most congregations that don't return. Mm, Um, Right. And then that's just reality. I don't like that. You should work to bring those people back in. You should uh, absolutely work to assimilate them. Don't forget them. Don't don't just let them go. But at the same time. You know, if I'm a pastor and this is, I just came out of a meeting where we were talking about this, 20%, we're expecting 20% of our loose attenders, those were once a month, not to come back. I think the loosely connected, for the most part, are gone. Mm. Um, The core is left. So, who are we? What are we going to do? And as we're talking about being in it for the long haul, man, the pastors that come out of this pandemic, and there's a lot of broken churches, there's a lot of hurting churches right now, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of hurting pastors the ones that come out of this and say, all right, I'm going to do this for the long haul. I'm going to do this with the core group of people. I'm going to do this with the bare uh, essentials, I think is what Clint said. I think those churches are the ones that are going to do it well. Mm. The ones that struggle are the ones that think, well, they're all going to come back. Giving's going to bounce back. I mean, mm. it may not. And, right. and so, you need to prepare yourself to be a little smaller church on the other side of this. Right. So you hope for the best, but we got to plan for reality mm. and plan for some obstacles that come so i think the idea is 
for many of our listeners, they are standing in a space right now where they are looking at a situation and they're thinking things have drastically changed. Maybe their nest eggs have gone away, their buffer, maybe some of their crowd has gone away. Plans have changed. But I love this church. God assigned me here. I'm going to be faithful. So the question is, in that sort of setting, Hmm. how does a pastor be faithful? Clint, what do you got for them? Yeah, I think that you have to build, uh, for me personally, I've got to build disciplines into my life on the front end of my day and the back end of my day because so much of the middle part of my day is, uh, even as I try to plan it with meetings, so much of it is unpredictable when mm-hmm. it comes to doing ministry as people's lives uh, ebb and flow in, in an unpredictable way. So for me, longevity, and I appreciate the fact that you're implying you know, that I'm the older around here. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing it longer. I haven't said that. Exactly. You know, it's fine. I don't mind that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, it's been building disciplines into my life that will uh, give me some space mentally and really just spiritually. Yeah. So what's your what's your top three disciplines that you have benefited from? Uh, one is going to be devotionally. Right. So okay. you want to spend an hour and a half or so in the mornings when nothing's going on. Even if you got small children, get up before they do. Uh, laziness, you know, whatever, you know, the whole routine. And right. then I think physically, uh, we're built to exert ourselves in some way. So find a way to do some exercise that's going to make you sweat. And then for me, mentally, uh, at the end of the day, from nine to 10 every day, I just sit outside on the porch and read, read history and biography or whatever you like to read mm-hmm. so that I am in some way breathing a little bit mentally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find the same or similar disciplines. I'm not nearly as uh, strong, uh, athletic as Clint is, but as far as the reading in the Do you evening, do anything athletically? I haven't known uh, you to Sometimes. Do- sometimes. I'm, I'm just not like you guys. <laughs> Y'all are- <laughs> I mean, what do you do, Josh? Do you do anything? Man, I passionately avoid athleticism uh, that's what i try to do okay no i'm a runner i run uh, you do? every I couple haven't known of days you to run very much yeah well because i don't have an apple watch and so okay. i don't right. i don't okay. share with right. you guys as right. much yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not really in the club so that part is good but i like to read fiction in the evening for the same reason you read biography i know you're not a big fan of fiction um, Me? I, I, I am actually reading. I'm a, did you say I'm not? No, Clint's not. Oh, I was going to say, I am a big fan of fiction. I'm reading a biography right now, Adoniram Judson. Mm. And it's a good one. Love mm. it. It's very good. So, I think that's good too because a lot of pastors don't spend time improving themselves. And two of the disciplines that you talked about there were improving yourself. And if you're going to be faithful and, and have longevity in a spot, you're going to have to be strong. And the laziness thing, man, I'll just go ahead and say it. If you're a lazy pastor, you're not going to make it in this thing in normal circumstances. But, you know, but in Josh, hard circumstances. I wouldn't have thought of uh, really two of those for me are not necessarily improving myself. You don't? I don't know. I mean, the whole workout routine, I, mm-hmm. unless I'm aiming towards some sort of goal or going to, you know, some challenge or race or something, really for me, it builds in just uh, some some balance because mm. so l- little of the rest of my life is balanced. There is no mm. balance. And that's one little piece that does. That's Plus, nice. if I, I like to be a little bit tired all the time, that way I don't choke somebody when they get on my nerves. <laughs> I, want you ever, to, I want to so bad. Let me ask you this. Right. So, this will be a sidebar. Have you ever wanted to physically assert your strength in the pastorate? Have you ever been confronted or upset? Uh, not to the degree that I did it. Right. No, of course not. Oh. That's the difference. In oh, okay. 
good and bad pastors. Oh, okay. We should we should remind our listeners that I tried to pick a fight on your behalf at one point at the No, the other dude picked a fight. You just you just offered to meet him in an alley online, which was funny. Gracious so, alive. Yeah, Sam is Sam is a um, man. I'll Sam. throw down. I'll throw for my friends. Yeah, I'll throw down. How about yeah. that? Sam? Well, didn't he come after your wife, Josh, or something what? like that? At the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. He talked trash. No. Well, um, that's where the, the fight was going to happen. Oh. Was <laughs> I, told him, I told him to meet me at a time and a place. I really did, Clint. Goodness gracious. You <laughs> he said, Dallas, Texas, you and me, let's go. How about that? <laughs> was, yeah, so awesome. to answer your question, I've not ever done that. No, oh. of course not. Yeah. I mean, Sam's a different level. Gotcha. Sam's, <laughs> gotcha. Sam's a, I had a guy come down the aisle at me once. He was mad. I was standing on the floor. We were in a heated business discussion. And he came down the aisle at me and another guy stepped up and, and calmed him down and pulled him pulled him to a seat and um, later on. But here's the thing. I've, I've just never been in that sort of setting. So, I didn't understand it to be aggressive. Mm. And other people were like, his fists were clenched. He mm. was coming at you to hurt you. And I was like, oh, well, my bad. Glad that other dude was there. Well, I, I had that happen once, but it was I wasn't angry. Uh, the assailant was angry. So it's, yeah, I have had an altercation in the church, but that's probably did, not. Did did he get you? Did he get close enough? Mm, oh yeah, we we uh tied up. Nice. I broke his See, arm. This so, is like Jay. This is like Jay Frank Norris level stuff. No, no, you got, no like, it's a not revolver like in your oh, door. No, <laughs> and, and so for our listeners who don't know Jay Frank Norris, you know this was the pastor who ended up shooting somebody. There's nothing uh, like way back that. in the day. Nothing like that. He had it coming though. So yeah. He was now, acquitted. For our listeners that don't know, for our listeners that don't know Clint's physique, I don't they know do. that I would charge him. I wouldn't. Well, this guy was—he was drunk. It was after a revival, and uh, yeah, he was drunk with the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. <laughs> he sobered up quick, though. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this: What is the so when you're talking about a difficult setting? And here's the deal: I'm not blaming any church. Just churches have over time gone through situations yeah what's the most draining circumstance a church can be in for you guys like i'll give you an, for what me it's mean? it's an insurmountable debt oh, when you're just servicing a debt all the time that drains the life out of me as a pastor you can't allocate money towards ministry um it just you become about like we've got to make enough to pay the debt so that drains me what about you guys anything similar yeah i would say um when people are chattering behind the scenes, won't say who, won't say what, and are breeding toxicity into the church mm. without giving you any option of remedying the situation, even if you're to blame, like you don't know. Right. So, it's that I know that there's toxicity behind the scenes, but it's not out front and you are trying to deal with the fallout of the gossip. You're trying to deal with the fallout of the toxicity without knowing the true source or what it is that that to me just drains me mm. um i'd much rather somebody just come into my office and throw down you know say here's what's going on and be aggressive and get in my face because at least i know the issue it's when mm. you don't know the issue that and you're constantly dealing with all the hurt that it causes uh that it can be it, that's what drains me mm. i would an insurmountable debt would as well uh josh i've just never had that experience yeah. Yeah, I think that for me, it's it's if, if you're doing all the right things, so you're preaching 
the gospel with clarity. You're discipling people. You're living, seeking to live in a way that honors the Lord. And you're doing the things that you would consider right at a church. And it still is not going well. That mm-hmm. can really be demoralizing in a place. And then on top of that, if you could overlay a uh, social media, especially Facebook, are you, I mean, it, it has been poisonous, I yes. think, for churches. Yeah. And, and Sam mentioned toxic. It's just yeah, right. social media has been so toxic. And, and a lot of times the passive aggressive posts oh, man. are, are it, it, and the, the, by nature, you can't respond to them because you don't know are, who are you talking about. Like mm-hmm. it's that again, it's that subtle passive aggressive. Um, and, and it's the, the murmurings in Acts 6 is what it is. Mm. It's the, 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 which is, you know, that word in Acts 6 is the same word that's used uh, of the wanderings in the wilderness from the right. people who are murmuring and grumbling. And, mm. and murmuring is basically a have concealed complaint to leverage your way. Mm. It, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of halfway throw this out there to see if I can get my way so that if I have to, I can, I can be, I can be passive aggressive so I can back away from this if I have to. Mm. Um, and and that and I think social media, Clint, is a, is a place where a lot of that happens, yeah. and oh, it yeah. is. It's yeah. draining, and it breaks a church. I mean, that's the topic of the podcast today: is broken churches. Right. I think that breaks churches. So so let's flip it. Okay. What have you found, or what do you think would be reasonable or helpful things in those three settings? Yeah, and you could take somebody else's, or you can. I, I think yours. that uh, for for what I've experienced, uh, and the church where I'm serving now is not broken. I have been in a church like that. Uh, and what worked for us there was consistency, real affection, pouring our lives into other people, uh, genuine discipleship, humility, uh, listening, but then not reacting. Mm-hmm. And then for me, when I, I went to a church, Dolphin Way Baptist Church in Mobile, and uh, during that time, when I when I went, it had just gone through uh, just the worst breaking of a church that I knew of. In fact, mm-hmm. they, that's the only reason they called me. They were desperate. <laughs> and so, otherwise, I wouldn't have fit the profile. Right. Anyway, there, uh, what worked for us is seeing that the church really was um, in such a broken down state. Just consistency, genuine affection, preaching the gospel, and then working within the system that it had. You know, it had an old Southern Baptist approach to doing church. I didn't come in to revolutionize. Uh, I hated the system. Uh, it was real bureaucratic, and yet I didn't seek to fix that. Uh, I had other things I had to fix, so I worked within the system that was there. Nice. So prioritizing yeah. helped you kind of make it through that sort of setting. Yeah, yeah and, and talking about brokenness, I think church polity in and of itself may not cause the brokenness, but it can be used right. to break a church, right. mm-hmm. particularly with people who have – certain ambitions for power in the wrong ways. Right. Yeah. So what do we do? So we're in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to a church, it's a broken church. Um, and you, you say, I'm going to, I'm going to stick it out, which, uh, you know, I've, I've bounced around a little bit. Um, Josh, I know that, you know, you, you've had a, a couple places you've been to Clint, same with you, but there's, there's these stories of these pastors that go and they stay 30 years at a church. Uh, none of us are old enough to have yet done that. I hope that we all get to do that. Um, what does that look like? I mean, th- maybe through some of the uh, through the eyes of some of your mentors. Um, you know, I think of a, a Bryant Wright. Our listeners may not know who he is, but he's one of my mentors. Great man of God, um, and just stuck it out long term at his church. What when you stay for the long term, Clint? Mm. How does that help 
heal the brokenness, and what does that process look like? Okay, I'd like to answer it in two ways. Uh, let's go back to Bryant Wright and guys like him uh, in the 80s and 90s. A lot of them stayed 20, 25, 30 years. I think that was a specific time. Uh, and after that time period, uh, after that is going to need to be some changes. And oftentimes the guy that's providing change will not even be able to stay very long as a change agent. Wow. He, yeah. he takes it on the chin a little bit, even if the, his predecessor was a great pastor. Mm. I, I then think that you can, after, if you can come in after the change agent. And for me, it's been here at, at uh, Hickory Grove. I've had to do that and then hopefully be tenured. Then I think that you, it, the, the biggest thing for me has just been being patient with the church that's not moving uh, as fast as I would like for it to and facing challenges that I didn't see myself as being an expert in. Hmm. So you see two potential roles for pastors, those who are the catalyst for change who may not stay as long right. but still do what's needed, and then the person who can follow the catalyst for change after all the tough stuff's been done, and then shepherd for the yeah, long Yeah, I would term. say, especially if you follow a much-loved, well-tenured pastor. Mm -hmm. now, now, there are situations where our church, uh, the mentality is, we like to keep a pastor for a long time, and so pastor's there for 25 or 30 years, and then retires, and a new pastor comes in and does the same thing. I think there are few and far between. Yeah, and then the other one would be, yeah, that 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 person that follows that person right. i i tried I've, I've been offered a few pastorates and one of the major concerns or things that i was considering was like man i'd be following what i call right. a legacy pastor right. and and that's just if that's where god leads and we have friends that have done that but that's not something that i would prefer that of course and that, that's um, what i've done here at hickory grove i followed um a man that was here 27 years Wow. In fact, baptized me. Uh, mm. This is where I became a Baptist at Hickory Grove. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. And so uh, I've had to be a little bit of the change, but hopefully we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully I get to also be uh, the tenured pastor here. The tenured dude. Yeah. yeah. You get to play both roles. Uh, we'll see. Nice. We'll see. <laughs> and and by the way, for our listeners, I think you can be that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be two different pastors. You may just have to put two different hats right. on. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is one of the things I was going to suggest. My previous pastor, it was seven years, and I've been here two years yesterday, actually. Wow. Congratulations. 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 Thank you. The honeymoon is over. It's <laughs> over, they say. So, the um, so seven years is not 30, but it's a decent time in one place. And uh, something you said, Clint, just a minute ago was there's a there's this different times, and when you're focusing on, on a church that's not really moving, one thing that's been so helpful to me is – the seasons that a church will go through. There are seasons and they can happen within a year or they can happen for a couple of years where through the Holy Spirit's guidance, you just understand that right now I'm focusing in mm. and then we're going to fix some things that are internal and then we're shifting to go outward. And if you can realize what season that church is in, in its history, mm -hmm. that historical arch in the community's arch, you know, if the community, if you were in a vibrant growing area and now you are not any longer in that vibrant growing area or if the area all of a sudden you moved to this rural setting and then all of a sudden there's houses popping up everywhere that's a different season for that church and one of the things not only and we don't need to talk about the culture of the man and the culture of the community and the culture of the church but just the seasons if he can align himself with that focus 
that's going to help you know, you know, this is this is the first quarter or this is the third quarter or this is the two minute warning. You know, th- you play differently in those different seasons. So, so with a little bit of our time that's left, mm-hmm. um, I want I want to talk about I want to press into this brokenness because what I'm seeing out there uh, through church answers and through some other things that where, where I'm doing some research is there there is like a rash of um, pastor firings. There's a rash of forced yeah. resignations. Um, there's there's a lot of toxicity in churches. You, you know, you combine an election year with a pandemic and unhealthy churches. You know, this, you've got this great convergence of factors in 2020 where a lot of churches are thinking, well, the answer, we just need a new pastor. And and we're seeing it's, it's always there. Um, it's something I've experienced myself uh, in terms of being pushed out. And, but it's really happening to greater degrees now. Um, what are, let's say you're in a situation, cause here's the point. There's going to be a lot of broken churches one way or the other. There's going to be, there's going to be, be a pastor that gets pushed out and you're going to have to follow that pastor. Somebody has got to go there, right? right? Somebody has got to go shepherd that church. What do you do your first 90 days when you inherit a broken church? Or let's say you still, you somehow managed to survive the fallout and your church is broken and you, you kind of. Even though you're still there, it's almost like a new church because it's broken. Mm-hmm. Um, not putting blame on anybody. It may be the pastor's fault. It may not be. But what do you do those first 90 days in a broken church? Yeah, you've just you've, you've given us two different scenarios, in my opinion. Uh, one, the one you just mentioned, is you, you made it through. You survived. So those that you've survived with, uh, we can just say that they are with you. Right. So those that typically were not that that may be actually be a refreshing time. So mm. if you survived it and you had a large contingency of people leave for whatever reason, those that are with you now, I think you could actually, uh, by God's grace, pick up some momentum and move forward. There's a good chance to have kind of the new day feel. Uh, the other is going into a place that really is just been for whatever reason uh, hurt that that to me is going to be a little more difficult and a little more nuanced depending on what happened and being aware of that. Like for instance, when I went to Dolphin way, one of the very first things I did is I read every single bulletin that they had in print since they started printing them every single church newsletter so that I had a feel for at least in print. What was that church's history? Where did it come from? What did it go through while other things in history were going on just to give me a feel for how they understood themselves. And then I did my best to contact personally, as many uh, people in that church that were leaders or connected or Sunday school, whoever I could talk to, to make some sort of personal connection. That was one of the first things that I did. And it seemed to help at least. Yep. I think that's good. So knowing the history of the church Mm -hmm. and not just the history, but the tone of that history is important. And I would say absolutely that's the right thing to do. I've, I've done that before. Um, I've actually d- also dug into um, if if you can find a, a Google archive of a local newspaper. A lot of local newspapers are archived mm-hmm. um, on Google, and you can go back and do a word search for your church oh, wow. and find out like of all the articles that have been written, you know, the last fifty years or whatever. What has the com- not just what the church says about itself? But what has the community been saying mm-hmm. about the church? What has the media yeah. been saying about the church? Um, one of the most pleasant surprises about coming to West Bradenton is there was no negative article. There was probably 50 articles that have been written over 60 years. 
And all of them were relatively positive. It was, you know, sometimes, hey, the church is doing this or what have you, but no major scandal that the the, the media spread. Um, you may inherit a scandal-ridden church, that you may be the person that's called there, and you need to be prepared for the hurt that's there. Well, and, mm. and understanding the tone of that hurt is going to be helpful. One of the things that Josh said earlier, or maybe he said it to me yesterday about his church, that he just loves his church. He was talking about how much he loves his church. I think one of the things that uh, pastors forget to cultivate is a genuine sort of Christ-centered affection for this church, regardless of how it's been to you. Which is a, mm-hmm. which a, di- a difficult thing to do if you've been mistreated. But if you can cultivate, by God's grace, a real love for the church, it goes a long way. Uh, as you think of, say, your children, you love them even when they don't act right. You, you mm-hmm. still genuinely love them. And, and the same should be for your approach to the church. Yeah. I would remind our listeners who, you know, if they followed us along, this is where I think the GIP list um, comes in play. Very helpful. Uh, it's the... Uh, your givers, your influencers, and your problem makers. And so, when when I go to a church uh, twice now, I have them go ahead and build that list for me. Somebody else who's our top givers, our top our top influencers, and our top problem makers. They rearrange that list. I don't know who's on the list, and then I start scheduling lunches with mm-hmm. them or coffees or whatever. You'll find real quickly that those problem makers. You can even almost tell sometimes when you're walking into the meeting, but you can find real quickly. They become less problem makers, and a lot of times they just want to be heard, and nobody listened to them before. Sometimes they're just mean, but a lot of times you can calm that down a bit. Recently, since I've been here now two years, we went through the whole GIP list, and we've shifted that just a little bit. Uh, Givers, influencers, and potential. These are brand new people that have been around, but they show a ton of potential in leadership and service and those sorts of – so I keep doing this GIP list, still don't know – who's necessarily a big giver or influencer or whatever. But those kind of meetings, I think, will help you if you were to go into a church that the previous pastor did not survive. You're at least hearing. You're at least finding out where the players are. You're building relationships with people. And that's the point. I know sometimes people are like, well, you just want to meet with the givers because they're they're uh, they're givers. And uh, that's not the case. People who give large sums to churches are invested in that church. And so I want to see what makes them tick. Why are they invested? What's what's something that we can build upon? Mm-hmm. So that's where I would do. Sam, you got any final thoughts on that, what you would do? <laughs> you know, I love your GIP list idea. It's something I've done. I've never called it that because GIP that list. sounds so it sounds so hokey, but um, but it's <laughs> well, brilliant. I remember. Right? And, and maybe I'm just jealous because you came up with a much better idea than me. <laughs> um, I think I think it's worthy uh, eyeball to eyeball, handshake to handshake and food. Food helps. And food. Yes. And I here's some things I've done. Um, I've asked my stewardship committee to allow me $500 a year for like just taking people out of hospitality budget. Hmm. Um, not every church will be able to afford that. And some churches would be like, oh, we could do five grand, you know, they, right. you know, but I think it's important for the church to give the lead pastor, maybe the executive pastor as well, or whatever, whatever staff you have, if you want to do it, a little bit of a budget to allow you the freedom to take people out to lunch. Um, now, I many times I pay uh, myself just out of my own pocket, particularly if it's a long-term church member. But if it's a newer person, that potential that you're talking about, Josh, mm-hmm. um, that's a really 
good time to be spending church resources with somebody who has the potential to to be a you know a key part of your church. Right. Um, so I think another thing to do strategically and just tactically is if if your church will allow it, you know, give yourself room for ten or twenty lunches right. in your year that um, the church pays for to cultivate that's some of the best ministry you can do you could say well Huge. you know you're not buying curriculum with that money well no but it may be more valuable uh that time may be more valuable so create ways that enable you to be able to get eyeball to eyeball handshake to handshake i think that's so important as a pastor leading from the pulpit is important we've talked about that many times but really your best leadership comes across the table that's yeah right. i agree and the two times the two churches i served in mississippi uh, we didn't have the budget for me to take people to lunch, and people would have thought it was weird that I was taking them to town to go to lunch. But to go and visit their homes and eat lunch with oh, them, yeah. um, it went a long way for me. And I was you know, 23 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. And so just that uh, really was helpful to my own ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say in the two years, I have never once paid for the lunch. I try. Uh, we've got the budget for mm. it, but they won't let me pay for the my lunch. people and let so- me pay for lunch. <laughs> I would. Yeah, same with me, Josh. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'd let both of you pay. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's all the time we have for today. I do want to just add one more thing. Since Clint is on the show, the the other thing for longevity is just get a group of people who are doing this and have similar mindset, but not maybe in similar settings yeah. or similar ages, and just open yourself up to that. Man, if you can just find other people that'll say. You're a dork mm. when you're doing something stupid and we'll say, keep going, mm. you know, when you're tired and you can say that that is so I helpful agree. to me. And that's something that both Clint and Sam um, do for me. I wonder why, I've wondered why you always call me a dork, but I guess I know. <laughs> it's for your longevity, my brother. Right. Yes. So, uh, Clint is on Twitter. If you want to connect with him, mm. uh, I follow Clint's. He's at Pastor Clint. Pastor Clint is how you can follow him on Twitter. Is there any other ways that you want to connect with people? I know you're not no, on you Facebook. Can, I'm on Facebook. I think I am anyway. Oh, you just don't like it. I don't like it very much. And Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram. On the Instagram. Mm. So so follow him on those things. Thanks so much, Clint, for being on Thank the show guys. today. Thank you, Certainly appreciate it. Good to see you, Sam. Thanks for listening. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll catch you next week. Hi there, Tom Rayner here. I realize it might seem we're nowhere near the holiday season, but it will soon be upon us before you know it. And our friends over at Church Initiative want us to remember that the Thanksgiving and Christmas season is a time of year that can be really tough for people who's lost their loved one or who have been divorced. So listen to some of the things grieving and divorced people say on their Grief Share and Divorce Care Facebook pages during the holiday season. People like Jean and Susan are hurting. They're looking for help. And you can provide it through your church, through Divorce Care and Grief Share, Surviving the Holiday Events. Visit churchinitiative.org forward slash holidays to learn how your church can offer one or both of these impactful programs this holiday season. And you can get the information in the show notes as well. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Thank you.